Welcome into Jared and the GM, ESPN 1025, the game streaming on the Game National app. Brian Porth, Floyd Reese here with you. Brewhouse South in Cool Springs is the place to be. 7 o'clock coming up, Smashville Live with Kyle Terrace and Dan Hamuse as the Preds player guests. They will be joining Braden Gall and Hal Gill for Smashville Live. So it should be a lot of fun. Jeremy K. Gover and I will have Preds insiders right here at 6 o'clock. Floyd, before we hear from Taylor Luan, we have heard from Chase McCabe. The Atlanta Braves have completely melted down in Game 5 <laughs> against the St. Louis Cardinals. It, it, it is 11 nothing in the third inning. Legendary. This Meltdown. has never happened in baseball before 10 runs in the first inning. Wow. In which the Cardinals scored. Now, I was at the office earlier. Chase McCabe had his Braves jersey on. He was pumped. He, he, he walking kept around running. doing the job. Every break he was walking into the office saying, you know, I, I got to have a, I got to have a place to be to watch this game today. Let's go through Chase McCabe's Twitter. And I love him to death. Chase McCabe's Twitter. Great start. Dot, dot, dot. This is essentially live, his live tweeting of the first inning in which they gave up 10 runs, okay? Great start. Dot, dot, dot. Damn it, Braves. I hate baseball. I dot, dot, dot. What is happening? Thank Jesus that is over. And then in the bottom of the first. Oh, good. Got two on and did nothing. After the top of the second. Good news. The Braves only gave up one run that inning. That is Chase McCabe's <laughs> Poor guy. Twitter right now. I Look, I feel for all Atlanta Braves fans. Uh. I said this 30 minutes ago when we turned around and looked at the TV and it was a 10-burger on the scoreboard that Jared Stillman, if he was sitting in this chair today, would be completely and utterly useless oh, yeah. to you. He'd be dead. He'd in this show gone. in the last two hours. He would be sick inside <laughs> while doing the show. So I feel I feel bad for Brace fans. I oh man, Atlanta sports. I mean, <laughs> I don't. They you can know, never and, catch a break. And it's it's funny because the Braves, like I said, they haven't won one of these series since two thousand and one. I mean, you, you'd think as good as they've been at points in time that mm-hmm. some way they'd stumble into one, but no, they and haven't. It's, been able to. It's funny how teams find the same ways to lose playoff series. Like, the Minnesota Twins got swept again this week. They haven't won a playoff game in, like, 18 years or 17 years. They keep going to the playoffs. They keep getting swept. The Braves keep going to the playoffs. They keep finding new ways to pee their pants (laughs) every single time. And... I, again, I just feel for race fans, but that's neither here nor there. Taylor Lewan earlier today, spoke to the media for the first time since the social media antics on Twitter with Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips of the Buffalo Bills. Taylor Lewan actually admitted he went too far. Let's take a listen. I say, like, I think the intent that I had in those situations, kind of standing up for yourself, uh, not taking from anybody type of mentality, it got lost in translation there because I took it too personally. And so I let something after a game be said, and then I let it, you know, bait me into doing something after. And 
you know, I've, I've always been one to press the envelope and, and do a little, uh, a little too much sometimes, but I've always, but I've done a good job of saying when I, you know, when I've done too much. And I think uh, in that type of situation, I probably should have let it be. Um, you know, he's talking about fighting me in Arizona and all that. I'm not going to fight anybody, you know. If he tried to fight me, I'd be like, listen, my daughter's over here. I'm probably going to go to the park, you know what I'm saying? So if that makes me a fake tough guy, then I guess I'm a fake tough guy. That was Taylor Lewan earlier today before Titans practice commenting on his tweets to Bills players. Floyd, what did you make of uh, what Taylor had to say there? I mean, that's that's the mature Taylor. <laughs> that's the, you know, growing up Taylor. We all know there's another side to that. And, and it keeps coming out. And and it, and it will continue, you know. I mean, until he's it'll be one of those guys when he's retired, you know, he'll finally say, hey, I've finally matured, you know, mm-hmm. 50. Yeah. I haven't been in a fight in a year, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, but what, what's the old saying? A tiger doesn't change his stripes. Yeah, there. I mean, it's it, and and this happens so many times in the NFL and with so many players where you always think I can change him. I'm going to get him here. I can coach him up, or I'm a GM. I'll get him in a program, or I'll, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's and it just keeps. You know, going back, how many times does Gordon have to be suspended for drugs? How many times does, I mean, we, we just see it all the time. And, and some of these guys will never, ever get it right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I, hope, I hope if that is Taylor that his episodes will be few and far between and just kind of tamp down a little bit. But, uh, but who I, knows? And I wanted to believe back in the 2016 season when – he sat at midfield during the scrum with the Denver Broncos and stayed away from that after he had been in some of those altercations in in recent history back then that maybe he was starting to, to get it, but there are just certain things, whether they're major or minor, that keep popping up with him that make me think that he's never really going to truly change, which for me makes me take his comments today with a little bit of a grain of salt because, you know, the next time that someone trash talks him on the field and says something that he doesn't like, do you really think he's just going to turn the other way? Or is he going to bark, bark back like we always see him do on, on TV? Yeah, well, and, and I think we expected or didn't expect. We were, we were afraid that something like this was going to happen during the game. You know, because he's been sitting out, he's been watching, he's been unable to do these things. He hasn't had an outlet. He hasn't had any of those things. So I think in, with Jared and I, when we talked about it, we said, well, the thing that is really scary is he gets in this game and something goes wrong and, you know, he blows up and throws a punch and gets ejected or, or gets us a penalty that's really going to affect us or whatever the case may be. And other than just playing poorly, I mean that didn't happen, so you know I guess that's a that's a plus. But uh, but then came you know the end of the game, and so we found a way to. And and I don't, you know, I guess I'm probably lucky. I'm not on Twitter. I don't I pay any attention to any of that stuff. What? So that so the at Floyd Reese on Twitter is not you? <laughs> no. Does it have the purple check mark or whatever it's supposed to have? It's got a green egg. Green egg. Yeah. <laughs> What's that mean? 
that means you don't have a picture. Oh. Like, that's the <laughs> default picture. If you were to pull out your phone right now and download the Twitter app onto your phone, because Lord knows you don't have the Twitter app on your phone. No, I If don't. you were to download the Twitter app on your phone and create an account at Floyd Reese or at the GM1025, whatever it may be, you would have a little egg as your avatar, which in today's world, Floyd, means picture. Oh. Avatar I, means picture. I thought that was a movie. sorry so there you go that's your twitter lesson for the day there you go i feel better there you go (laughs) awesome it is still 11 nothing cardinals by the way but for me taylor luan now it like just put the phone down put put the microphone down with the podcast and let's focus on football let's focus on between the lines because as we've discussed at nauseam today this team is in a in a situation where let's let's face it sunday is a must win as much as it's just a bunch of muck in the afc beyond the patriots and chiefs i mean you can't keep winning and losing and winning and losing like if you sit there at two and four and you're going to face a chargers team that you have really struggle with over the years that hard time i mean the only time you beat the chargers since you became the titans was justin hunter catching a catch uh catching a pass down in the end zone with like 10 seconds left like six years ago that's the only time you've beaten the chargers so i mean you gotta win this game or else you could be staring at two and five in the face which at that point your postseason dreams would be all but shot when you're a team that can't seem to get things going so for me taylor lewan it's time to put the phone down and focus on the field what what is it herm always used to say don't press send our good buddy herm edwards <laughs> yes don't, don't press, press send, send. <laughs> how, how about taylor lewan delete the twitter app how, yeah. how about you floyd download the twitter app onto your phone and taylor delete the twitter app from his phone there you go i could tell I would what enjoy happened. that I would enjoy that. How can the Titans fix their offensive line issues moving forward this season before they can do anything about it with the roster? We'll get to that next. He's the GM, Floyd Reese. I'm Ryan Porth. You're listening to Jared and the GM live from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs on ESPN 102.5. The game streaming on the Game National app. So the protection issues are primarily individuals not doing their jobs more than anything else, the, the protection issues. Well, I think if you look at there was two times we threw hot, which the quarterback knows when he's hot. You know, if they, we go empty and they blitz a guy, you know, we're going to throw hot. And so I think we have to make sure, like, what that to me is not a protection issue. That's the quarterback knows he's hot and he's, he's throwing it hot and he's going to try to throw it there. And we got to, you know, we got to make sure that we catch it and be at distance for the first down. When we have games or twists, you know, obviously it's two guys working in tandem. So it's not always just one-on-one. Uh, it's two guys having to work together uh, to, to pick up, you know, the picks and the, the games that they're doing. Then there's other times where it's one-on-one. Then there's other times where, you know, it's protected. And, and we have to, you know, get rid of the football and throw it to the guy that's open. Uh, and then there's other times where we have to get open quicker. So, again, there's, there's a lot of things that just go into uh, it's just the offensive line or it's just this guy. That was Titans head coach Mike Vrabel this week on the protection issues that the Titans have had for Marcus Mariota. And Marcus Mariota has been sacked more than any other quarterback in the National Football League. He has been sacked 22 times 
through five games. Floyd, that is not a good number. <laughs> no, it is not. You, you do not I want uh, Marcus Mariota on his backside 22 times. And I don't of, of the ones that, that Mike talked yeah, about, for me, the, the one that is probably easily or the easiest to fix, and yet, well, it's easy to talk about fixing, yet if you're not together, it's hard to fix. When he was talking about the tricks, because, and the only reason I bring that up is because one, I know at least one if not two of the sacks that that Lawan and um, and the guard gave up last week were from tricks, and what happens is if the first guy and and a trick is when a defensive end and a defensive tackles in essence switch spots, and if the tackle goes first, it has certain ramifications. If the end goes first, it has certain ramifications. Well, the bottom line is if either one of those guys gets penetration from the onset, the trick is probably impossible to block because what you want to do is you want to flatten those things out, move those guys along so that so that the, they're, they don't end up in the quarterback's face. And the only way you can do that is if the first guy, if I'm the guard, and the defensive tackle is on my head, and he makes a move towards the offensive tackle, I have to punch him hard enough to flatten him out. And if I can't do that or don't do that, then he's got penetration, we're done. If I'm the tackle, the same is true. If the end comes inside, I don't flatten him out, we're done. And so that's I know that happened a couple of times. And, and you can fix that. That is fixable. But you have to spend time working together. And, for example, Taylor and and what's his name, the right guard, they have not had that time. Nate Davis. You know, and because they haven't had that time, those kinds of things are, are a lot harder, look a lot harder, and are much more effective than they ever should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the hots are on Marcus. The... Um, the um, receivers getting open you know from his standpoint or on the receivers and they're just going to have to get open although i don't sense that's that's as much an issue if you re if you're going through your progression somebody's going to be open you know you can't they're not going to cover everybody Mm -hmm. so somebody's going to have to be open you just got to find the guy that's open so how do you so obviously john robinson unless he makes a trade which i guess isn't out of the realm of possibility unless he makes a trade he can't really bring in other guys who could be impact players to help the offensive line this season so how with that in mind you still have 11 games left right how do you go about fixing this offensive line with the tools that you have if it's fixable at all well, in terms, the, the, in terms of how efficient they are and execution-wise, because we know the talent is there most. The the the, the, the fixable part with the the guards and the tackles, like the tricks we were talking about, uh-huh. that's going to take time. Now, and I, I'm not talking about weeks. I'm talking about practice time. They're going to have to get some practice reps doing that. And this is where Luan's suspension really really kills you. Kills his his on-field 
because, working relationship with Roger Saffold. Because what you're saying to yourself and to your coaches is you're saying, well, Taylor is going to have to be the backup because Kelly is going to need the time to work with Saffold so that we don't have the things we just finished talking about. Well, that's all well and good, and you need to do that. But Taylor's not taking part in that. You know, that's between those two guys. Well, now Kelly's gone, and now, you know, Taylor's in there. And, and I'm sure the logic is we're saying, hey, we got two all-pro players here. These guys will pick it up, and they will pick it up. They'll pick it up much faster than will Nate. Mm-hmm. But they still have to do it some. They still have to get some reps so they can understand that. Um, now, with Nate and with, um, you know, on the right side, I mean, that's going to be harder for him because he's got, I mean, the only thing that is going to save him is just time. You know, he's got to get, if in fact he's the guy, you know, I'm not sure that they're sold that he is. But if if that's the fact, then he's got to make up for camp. He's got to make up for all the time, all the practice snaps he's missed. And that's really, really hard. So, you know, can can the tackle help him? Yeah, I can. Can the center help him? Yeah, I can. But you don't want those guys to to hurt their performance because they're concerned about helping the the uh, the guard. You you know what's unfortunate about what you're talking about there with Nate Davis? What? Let's say it takes until mid-November, December, for him to to get where he needs to be in terms of knowing where to be on certain plays. Well. If we're looking long-term, do we really think Jack Conklin's going to be here after this year? Or is Jack Conklin going to go elsewhere in free agency? Oh, and then all of a no. sudden, you go into next season. Yes. If Nate Davis is your right guard, then you're starting all over at right tackle. New tackle, unless, it's, yeah. unless you're just going to put Dennis Kelly there. Yeah. But still, Nate Davis hasn't had all those reps with Dennis Kelly. So right. it's, right back to the same it's just deal. a revolving door of different... And that's why when you get... An offensive line. The best offensive lines in the NFL may not be the most talented. In fact, very often are not. But they're going to be the ones that have played together the longest. I mean, they've got, they know each other. And that's we. when I was here, we had the good fortune of having, you know, we had the same guards, the same center, the same tackles for years. And then when one left, when it finally was time for – or we lost one, like when we lost Runyon. You know, what do we do? We go right out and get somebody that's an experienced guy, and Fred, and he give him time to learn all that. Uh, but I mean, it's but every time you make a change in the offensive line, it's critical. I mean, it's it is difficult, and and especially if one of those guys is really young or new, somebody hasn't been there. Let's go to Tyron and Brentwood. We were talking earlier about AFC teams where the Titans kind of stand in the AFC. How many elite teams are there truly in the AFC? Tyron and Brentwood has been waiting patiently this Ty- afternoon to weigh in. Tyron, Ty- welcome into Jared and the GM. Tyron hey, will have, it, it, have an opinion on this. I know that. Yeah, my Tyron. man, Corey, <laughs> hey, Fred, before I get into my Floyd, I'm going to say this. Going forward, I'm going to call you Uncle Floyd, man, because you're my uncle, man. So I'm going to call you Uncle Floyd going forward. <laughs> All right. But, uh, <laughs> When I answer the AFC, I tell you, I, I watched a lot of football through the first five weeks, and I tell you, man, you know, and, and a lot of different networks have been trying to come up with a, 
you know, in particular the AFC. The NFC is a much better conference and a much more interesting conference because it's deep. But in the AFC, I understand trying to sell this team, sell that team, and I get the injuries aspect of it, but I'm sorry. This is a down year in the NFL, and when it comes to the AFC, there's two teams. It's New England, Kansas City, barring injuries. And I'll be honest with you, and I try not to be a prisoner of the moment over one game, but I watched the Chiefs the other night against the Colts, and then, you know, obviously Mahomes got nicked up, and the Colts had a great game plan, and give them credit. But I, I looked at the Chiefs, and it was like a light bulb went off in my head, and I said, man, is Andy Reid really going to beat New England in a big spot? No, he's not. Andy Reid's like the Mike D'Antoni of the NFL. Great offensive scheme, great offensive coach, but when it comes to the big spots and the big moments, he, he just can't get it done, you know. And I, 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 I think New England, I don't think they're as good, nowhere near as good as offensively, but it doesn't matter because their defense is so dominant. I get they haven't played nobody other than the Bills. That was a great win. But their defense is so deep and dominant, I don't think it's going to matter. I think offensively they will get better. But I just think they are just – the AFC this year, Kansas City, but other than that, and I don't even think they're, they're, they're a shot now because now they're a game back. More than likely they're going to Foxborough, and you ain't bringing that kind of play in 10-degree weather in the AFC title game in Foxborough. So I think New England's a layup to get to the Super Bowl. And I give two teams in the NFC a chance. The Saints and the Eagles, maybe. But I tell you, this looks like Brady, Belichick's seventh title, and I don't think they're going to be pushed very, very hard. And normally I don't say that. I'm a Brady fan, but normally I'm skeptical of, of something like this. But they are wow. Have you seen them this year? It's unreal what their defense is doing. I mean, my God, boy. Yeah. You, 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 you've been in that program, and you know Belichick and his defensive genius. But this year... This might be the best defense he's had since Lawrence Taylor and the Giants going back to the late 80s. I mean, and I know they haven't played nobody yet. (laughs) They're not going to play nobody. Yeah, thanks, Tyron, for the call. Floyd? Tyron, you can tell Tyron's a New England fan. Oh, yeah. I don't blame him. And he is right. Uh, I, I was looking at some of the numbers that New England is putting up on defense this morning, just messing around. Incredible. I mean, I'm I'm looking at our defense, and I'm thinking, boy, we're really good. We're only giving up whatever it is, 17 points a game or something like that. And you're and thinking, then you look you should, at New England. Yeah, look at New England. They're giving up like four points a game or something. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. They, nobody's scoring on them. It really is. Coming up next, ESPN had an interesting article earlier today that linked a current starting quarterback to the Titans in 2020. We'll get to that next. He's the GM, Floyd Reese. I'm Ryan Porth. You're listening to Jared and the GM, ESPN, 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back to the show, live from Brew House South in Cool Springs. Ryan Porth, Floyd Reese here, Jared and the GM, ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Before we get to this article I teased, Floyd Reese just saw the video of the Bills fan at the Sunday tailgate. Oh, my God. Who jumped off. The, uh, they, he didn't jump off the pedestrian bridge, but it's a part of the pedestrian bridge that is on the stadium side that's kind of like a wheelchair ramp. And the Bills fan, I guess a part of Bills Mafia, which is a huge thing, Floyd. I'm sure you've seen more than just that video of Bills fans jumping through flaming tables over the oh, years. Oh, yeah, jumping on them. And uh, he, he fell just a little short of the table that he was trying to jump through. <laughs> like on the sidewalk. Short. 
I have not seen an update on that guy. I genuinely hope that guy is okay. But what are you thinking? I know. I'm going to tell you what. Now, I've been to 40 years worth of stadiums. There's only one that I, at a point in time, really got scared, and that was Buffalo. Really? Yeah. Like, you got scared for yourself? In Yeah. In the bus. I'm scared. Because they are beat, they're throwing rocks, they're throwing bottles, they're beating on the windows with sticks, they're rocking the bus. Now I'm not talking about ten people. Uh huh. I'm talking about the bus surrounded. Like there's two, three hundred people. When was this? And they had a, like, one of the games. With the Titans with the Oilers. Uh, Does this date? Back? I think it was with the Titans. Yeah. Was it? And I mean, I'm I'm watching this and I'm thinking, well, for sure they're going to break one of these windows. Uh-huh. You know, in the bus, and one of our players or coaches or somebody's going to get hurt. And then, like I said, they're beating on, they're throwing bottles and they're beating on it with sticks. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I know somebody's going to get hurt, but what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, with all these men, they're all drunk and, they, and they're moonless and they're, I mean, it was. <laughs> I, I, after I got out of there, I thought, man, oh, man, I hope I never have oh. to come back here again. There there have been some epic Bills Mafia videos over the years. That isn't one of them because <laughs> it didn't have a great ending. But some of those those videos where, you know, you're doing the, the – cert, the, you're spinning around ten times with the, uh, with the plastic Stick. bat. Yeah. And you're trying to hit a, a wiffle ball. Yeah. There have been epic ones with that, epic ones with flaming tables. I wish uh, I wish the people listening to this could have seen your reaction during the break of you seeing that video for the first time <laughs> since Sunday. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, what can they be thinking? I, can you, you say that every Sunday with a Bills tailgate. Yeah. What are they thinking? I, mean, I hope that guy's okay. Thank you. ESPN.com came out with a story earlier today, and this is a weekly story that they do on ESPN Plus where – they take a look at week six, who are the upset picks, who are your fantasy flops, who are your fantasy you know, breakout stars, all that. They do that every week, and then they have some other storylines that they do a roundtable discussion on. Okay, This was the same one that a couple weeks ago where I believe four of the six ESPN experts said Marcus Mariota was going to be a backup quarterback in 2020. Okay, okay? Same people doing this same exercise. Four of six people... On this question, Teddy Bridgewater got a one-year, $7.25 million deal to stay in New Orleans this offseason. What will his contract next offseason look like, and which team will sign him? I tell you what, there's actually five in this one. At least four of them bring up the Tennessee Titans as Teddy Bridgewater's either likely or one of. One of. Yeah. The possible destinations for Teddy Bridgewater next season is the Tennessee Titans. Does that surprise you at all? No. I mean, I, I'm going to guess, the way things have been going for Marcus, that every available college and pro quarterback that's out there will be mentioned with the Titans' name. You think so? Yeah. You think it's getting to that point where there's going to be a new quarterback under center next Well, year? I'm not saying there's going to be. But I'm saying these people, these prognosticators or whatever yeah. they are, I mean, it's only if, if you're going through the league and you're saying, okay, who needs 
who needs a quarterback that doesn't have a rookie or doesn't have somebody in line, well, the Titans are, are going to be one of those teams. Field Yates is one of these ESPN experts that weighed in on this roundtable discussion. Field Yates said, quote, the Titans for three years and $45 million. I believe the market for Bridgewater will center around the Saints and teams that are talented enough not to bottom out this season and be in a spot to select a top quarterback in the drafts. Titans are probably one of those teams. Tennessee checks that box and has no presumptive starter under contract beyond this season. Right. Which that's true. Marcus is not under contract beyond this season. Neither is Ryan. Neither is Tannehill. Yeah. The, the funny thing about how the kind of this evolution of this discussion has gone. You remember back in like April or May, it was probably May after the NFL draft. They come, they always come out with their way too early mock draft for the next year. And many prognosticators were saying the Titans were going to draft a quarterback. And everyone on Titans Twitter was saying there is absolutely no way that comes true. There's no way in the first round next year the Titans are drafting a quarterback. Marcus is the guy. And then the whole Ryan Tannehill thing happens with, with all the the gibberish from Bristol, Connecticut, saying that Ryan Tannehill was a candidate to start week one. Right. And we're all th- saying, oh, no, there's no way. Now we're five games into the season, and we're all just kind of sitting back saying, you know what, there's probably a, there's, there's a chance now. And it's all because Marcus hasn't taken that next step this season. I think we both agree he is what he is, and now it's up, just up to the to the Titans brass to determine whether what he is is that good enough. Is that good enough? And that's what and, and that's the the Andy Dalton syndrome, you know is is that good enough for you? And and I th- I think you know if. If you decide that is good enough, then I think you can build up parts of the team to help him immediately and get the most out of that. Does that mean Super Bowl wins? Uh, I don't know. I'm not willing to go there. Mm-hmm. But does that mean you're going to be good enough to to be, have double-digit wins for, you know, three out of five years? Yeah, probably does. So I, I think is that the – and that's why it's always difficult because everybody will say the same thing. What is it you're looking for? Well, I want to win Super Bowls. Well, yes, you do. Everybody does. But, but finding that guy out there is near impossible. We've already talked about the teams that we thought were going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, right now we've got a grand total of three. So, <laughs> well, you do. I Jason do. Fitz of ESPN says oh, he's got six or more. seven. Yeah, double that. But I think you know you you're not talking about fifteen or twenty guys. You know, you're just talking about and and of those teams, you know, they're going to be Brady and you're going to have Breeze and you're going to have you know whoever the star quarterbacks are, Mahomes and 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 people like that. And so that's going to give you the answer and and. How many of those guys you find? You think about the number of guys that have been drafted since Tom Brady. Now, this is going way, way back. The number of first-round guys since Tom that have been drafted and won Super Bowls. I mean, they're just not out there. Mm-hmm. You know, about four or five guys. You know, and Tom's in the league, what, 20 years? I mean, they're just not out there. But... Unless Pat Mahomes is the next 
Tom Brady, and Mahomes goes on to win four, five, six Super Bowls. I mean, it's not like post Brady. There's there's likely going to be another Tom Brady, right? So um, I, I understand what you're saying, but once Tom Brady is retired from the NFL, which I mean, it can't be more than three or four years from now, right? God, I, I mean, you know, I would agree. I wouldn't think he's like the more. Energizer Bunny, but <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think it'd be more than two. At some point, but, the Energizer Bunny runs out of gas. Yeah, at some point, got to. So. I guess what I'm saying is that if if Brady retires in the next two or three years, it could be a lot more wide open in the league. I mean, there was a poll on ESPN.com of what quarterback would you want for one game and one game only, and the the vast majority took Brady. Right. Next up was Mahomes, but it was a lot more even after Brady. Yeah. So you might be able to find somebody that can get you to a higher level than Marcus Mariota. Well, and and the guys, well, yeah. I mean, I and what you're saying is the level that it's going to take to get there is going to be less. Right, because so Tom, you, if Tom it, Brady's the bar, yeah. that bar is about to be lowered. So the bar will be lowered, and, and, yeah, there's probably some truth to that. The the thing that is is – you know, I mean, Tom is going to retire. Breeze is going to retire. Rivers is going to retire. I mean, there's a whole slew of Eli Manning's going Andrew to be Luck gone. retired. Andrew Luck's already gone. So there's going to be a whole new batch of quarterbacks. That's why you, you're you so excited about thinking, geez, if I had, you know, the right guy at the right time, this might be a chance to really step forward, mm-hmm. you know, really do something special. Because let's face it, if you're – if you are a really good AFC team over the last 10 years and you think you're going to get to the Super Bowl, there's always one question mark. You know, New England. How are you going to beat New England? Can yeah. you beat New England? And it's always the same. Can you beat New England in New England? Because that's generally where you're going to play them. And, and the answer to most, from most teams is no, I probably can't. And you say, okay, well, I'm a really good team. You know, I really like where we are, but I know I'm never going to win a Super Bowl because I can't beat New England. And so I think that's where, you know, you're looking at all these young guys. And right now, I think you're right about Mahomes. I mean, he's definitely top of the ladder of the young guys, but there's going to be a whole new group. You know, what happens with golf? What happens with with Carr? What happens with all these different Even Deshaun people? Watson, is he going to be upright? Deshaun Watson, great one. You know, can you, what's going to, where Carson are they going to end up? Yeah, because all those guys are going to have a chance to end up competing for for the Super Bowl on a yearly basis with each other. You know, this is going to be the Manning-Brady. This is going to be that whole scenario. But it might involve three or four guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it could really be exciting. We have an update from Atlanta, Floyd. Oh, God. The Braves are on the board. Are they? They just hit a solo home run. All right. Only 12 r- more runs to go because they trail 13-1 <laughs> to 1 in the fourth inning in game five of the NLDS. The winner, huh, St. Louis, um, advancing to the NLCS wow. to take on the winner of tonight's Dodgers-Nationals game, which I am really looking forward to later on this evening. And who do you think that's going to be? Who do you want it to be? I want it to be the Nationals. Okay. And I have a sneaky suspicion it's going to be the Nationals. Really? Good. This just feels different for the Nationals. 
like in years past with Bryce Harper, they kind of had that Atlanta feel to them. Yeah. Or maybe back then it was a D.C. feel to them because before the Capitals won a Stanley Cup, that that district, not city, but district was cursed yeah. with their sports teams. Yeah. But it just feels different with this Nationals team. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Walker Bueller mows them down tonight, former uh, Vanderbilt stud. But he's playing well. Through a one-hitter <laughs> in yeah. game one. Yeah. So should be a lot of fun tonight. And that game will be on ESPN 94.9 game two. Coming up next, the Preds win 5-2 last night against the San Jose Sharks. And somebody got off the schneid. We'll get into that next. He's the GM, Floyd Reese. I'm Ryan Porth. You're listening to Jared and the GM live from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs. It is ESPN 102.5 The Game. Now down the left wing, that shot goes wide of the glove of Rene. Bergman had the shot. And now ahead, Predators a two-on-one. Here's a try by Torres to score. Kyle Torres elected to shoot rather than pass. And the Predators lead by two. Welcome back in, Jared and the GM. That clip you heard right there was Pete Weber last night on the call for Kyle Turris's big goal in the third period of last night's 5-2 victory for the Nashville Predators over the San Jose Sharks. And Kyle Turris will be here at 7 o'clock for Smashville Live. Great timing on that, by I the know, way. I know, right? Yeah, great that timing. That was the first thing I thought of last night when he scored that goal is, oh, that was great timing. Yep. The night before he... Uh, is on Smashville Live with Dan Hamuse, Braden Gall, and Hal Gill coming up at 7 right here at Brewhouse South in Cool Springs. Come on out. The dinner crowd is starting to uh, to get here. Preds fans starting to, uh, to get here as well. So come on out. Get a picture. Get an autograph with Kyle Terris and Dan Hamuse. Should be a lot of fun out here at Brewhouse South in Cool Springs. Now, Floyd, last night, Kyle Terris getting off the schneid. This is a player that obviously has faced a lot of pressure i guess you could say maybe some pressure putting on himself just knowing for him his standards in the national hockey league he is better than what he showed last last season oh historically historically yeah yeah and it just looked like that was a relieved person when he scored that goal last night just looking at the expression on his face it was a big goal in the game the Sharks were pressing. The Preds were up 2-1. And you felt like it was just a matter of time before San Jose tied it. And then, boom, Turris scores. And it was a backbreaker. I thought last night that was a big moment for Kyle Turris. And hopefully, for his sake, he can get things going now this season. And I think most people, like you said, if you look at his history, you look at his stats, I mean, he has played well before he got here. Now, he has not played up to standards for us or for him. And I think it got to the point where, um, you know, you sometimes, I think as a player, you are slow to look in the mirror. You know, it's always somebody else's fault. The coaches don't like me or mm-hmm. scheme doesn't fit me or any of those kinds of things. At that point in time where none of that matters, and you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, you know what, I have got to do better. I think then you set yourself up for for a little uh, success. And I think, and I'm, I'm acting like I know Terrence and I really don't, but I think he had lost some confidence. You know, I'm not sure he was near as confident 
in the latter part of the year as he was at the beginning. You score this early in the season I'm talking about mm-hmm. for him, got to be a tremendous boost. With a wicked wrist shot. Gotta it's not be. like it was one of those dumb luck goals. Yeah, like he, no. It was a legit for real. far corner wrist shot yeah. that you would expect Philip Forsberg to score. And, and I think, you know, he, whether or not, however he felt about being moved around the lines and doing all that kind of stuff, for him to be in a position to where he's playing and having success, doing the things that he wants to do, I'm going to tell you what, now it can't be any better than that. So I'm I'm excited for him. I'm excited for that game tomorrow night. I, I think that's going to be a good early season test for, for the Nashville Predators. Good, Ho- good Hosting teams. the Washington Capitals. It's the last of a four-game homestand. Yep. Capitals are 2-0-1-2. They've gotten points in their first four games. Yep. And as we all know, the, they're always a legit team. And you know, the, the first three teams the Preds played, Minnesota, not going to be good this year. Detroit, not going to be good this year. San Jose has been struggling out of the gate. Yeah. But Washington, I think this is going to be a good a, a good test for them at this point in the season. And Washington has been good for however long. Many years. You know, yeah. As long yeah. as Alex Ovechkin has been there. <laughs> yeah. Which has been since, well, his rookie year they stunk. But his second year, I believe, was the uh, 7 8 season, and that was the start of their run where they – we're making the playoffs almost every yeah. year. So, I mean, he's going to – I mean, that will be a good game. I would agree with you. That'll be – you know, you, you're always looking for a standard. That will be a standard, some yeah. kind of a measuring device. At what point this season are you going to start buying into this team in terms of the success that you see on the ice offensively and thinking that it is here to stay? Because for three games, 13 goals, it's been fantastic. As we all know, it is still early in the season. At what point are you going to buy buy into what you're seeing from this Preds team this season? Uh, you know, I don't know, but I don't think it'll be long. I mean, if it keeps up at this pace, don't you have to buy in pretty quick? <laughs> I mean, you know, they got 13 points or 13 in in uh, three games. You're looking at that and you're thinking, oh, okay. It, it certainly well, looks different from oh, last year. Absolutely, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it certainly looks different, yeah. and it made. It honestly may just be the simple swap of trading a star defenseman and signing a, a star forward with the cap space that you created, and naturally you're just getting more offense. And the uh, yeah, the emphasis has switched. You know, the emphasis when, and I'm not pointing a finger at anybody, but the office the the uh, emphasis was never on the offense. You know, it was always on the defense, and this is our strength, and this is our. Well, now it's kind of switched. Mm-hmm. You know, now they're saying, now we're going to change up. We're going to go out there and score some goals. And I think it's got a chance to be really exciting. Absolutely. Well, we are here at Brewhouse South in Cool Springs, located at 1855 Galleria Boulevard. Smashville Live is going to be here 7 to 8 p.m. The first first 50 people will have the opportunity to get an autograph or picture with Kyle Turris and Dan Hamuse. Smashville Live brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and Red Spirits and Wine. We are here today on Friday. You guys will be out at Oktoberfest. So that should be a lot of fun. Tomorrow you guys are going to be at Pete and Terry's. I don't know when I'm going to see you next uh, at, at the at the station. Yeah. But, Floyd, good hanging with you today. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. A whole lot of fun. Yeah. Coming up good. next, you're done. You're oh. done for the day. Your okay. four hours are up. Good. I am sticking around hosting Preds Insiders with Jeremy K. Gover. That's coming up next right here on ESPN 1025 The Game and streaming on the Game National app.